Well, welcome, welcome back, guys, to a new episode of Anime Hub. Today's episode will be on Great Pretender. Uh, it's something we've wanted to do for a hot minute. I think we announced it um, some weeks ago. So we're finally getting around to it. Now that Francisco has gotten the time to watch it, especially since they released the dub um, on the 28th of August. Oh, yeah, on Netflix, that was pretty sick. Netflix in America, at least, United States and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, you know you know what was crazy? My dad actually saw it before I did. He uses my, um, my Netflix account. So when that I was, was hopping on to, it was, it was like when I was hopping up to watch it, I was like, do you want to hop on back where you left off? Which was like episode five. So the guy just finished the first arc. Mm-hmm. But um, you were the yeah. one who was like, you were hyping it up, being like, "This is a this this is like, you know, from which studio, anime original." You know, we don't get these often. Better and the best part is that it's actually really good. So yeah. Like, um, Nikki was like, "What's what is the Great Pretender? Like, what's the premise? What's the deal?" With um. Like, so for those of you who are uh, interested in Persona Five at all, it's kind of like the anime version of Persona Five, where you have these con artists or confidence men who kind of for lack of a better term they essentially con the rich or the greedy but these rich and greedy people aren't like normal people they're like usually crooks or like really bad really really bad people that like do things that are very bad to kind of like attain power so by taking away or destroying their livelihood they're kind of saying like they're it's like almost like making a statement and they're like putting people to justice they're kind of like superheroes except they're also taking their money in the process so it's kind of like Persona in that regard, where in Persona you had to go through these like souls and stuff to like uh, purge their bad selves. It's kind of similar in um, The Great Pretender, but in this case they're actually taking the money and whatnot. But uh, that's the premise of the show basically. Um, these confidence men going around scamming these like really high rich profile people who are really bad people um, and kind of getting vengeance for the people that they've wronged and getting quite a bit of money from them too. It's really entertaining, really fun. Um, I was on this hype train for a while. I think I told you about it, Francisco, back in June, I think. I'm not wrong. June, I right? I be surprised. I was like, early yeah, in the year. I'm pretty sure it was June. Um, how I heard about it was I was looking for some new anime to watch this last summer. I was on a insane anime grind. And I came across a great pretender um, I watched the trailer and I was like, there's no, there was literally no one talking about it in June. Um, obviously because it hasn't come out in America. And this was well before the announcement that it was going to come to America. Um, so it was a Japanese Netflix exclusive at the time. So there was like no buzz about it in NA. So I was like, oh my God, like this looks so cool and no one is talking about it. So then I proceeded to like pretty much binge the entire show in two days. And I loved it. I had such a good time with it. Um, and I was so excited. And then about like two weeks after I finished, I think that's when they announced that it's going to come to um, North America Netflix in August. And I was super excited. I watched the entire thing in subs, um, but I actually think the correct way to watch the show is in dub because of the extremely diverse cast. Um, in the Japanese subs, they will tell you in the first episode, um, for, for lack of translation, we were going to uh, just dub the rest in Japanese. But it's really, I, th- I just feel like it would accentuate the characters a lot more and the feeling of the show if you watch it in dub. 
Um, I think Francisco, you watched it in dub, so I think you can speak to that a lot more than I can. Yeah, that was fine. I had no issues with it. I actually thought for the slight moment because it, um, you know, the they do this thing for both, right? Because um, the characters within the show are multi, multi um, culture and national. They they span throughout the entire planet, and like you have people speaking Japanese. You have you have you know one of the main guys is like he's he's from France, right? He speaks French. And then yeah. you have English, which is like you know the language of business or whatever. Kind of effectively the story, I think um the main the the main dude the protagonist right the one who's like brought into this con artist lifestyle from the, the French guy who's like the ringleader or whatever. Edamame. Yeah, Edamame. Yeah, 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 see, I forgot his name. Edamame, which is uh, he's bilingual, right? At least I I I know he's bilingual. He can speak English and Japanese, but everyone loves to uh you know tease him about his Japanese because he picked it up as he went. So it's a combination of like different um different uh. It doesn't have a root home, which speaks a lot about like him as a as a person and character, right? Because like English, the English that he speaks effectively in universe doesn't have an accent, or if it does have an accent, it's like mixed from different locations because he he picked up different um different mannerisms as he went throughout his life because he didn't learn English tr- traditionally. It's just as it went by, he, he I mean like all things considered, like English is a pretty difficult language, and um it's 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 great that like. Edamame was able to pick up English and because it came out really in handy when um, he went with the French guy and then he went to LA for the first arc. So something cool, kind of cool that they do for both the Japanese and the English stuff is that in universe, they're going to continue speaking English, right? But to make it easier, which studio or like the director behind it, they decide to add a little notice card is like from this point everything's going to be translated into one language when in reality they're speaking multiple languages i know in arc three it's yeah, arc three they takes place in france i think arc two takes place in britain or i'm not too sure no it doesn't take place in britain do you know where it takes place by any chance arc two takes place in the middle east and arc three takes place in france actually arc two has things of the middle east right it's um it takes place in Singapore. Oh yeah, it's in Singapore, but the focal point is about the um, war between America and Iraq, which is amazing. I think the fact that they were able to kind of like put that into an anime, it, incredible. Like I, I personally love that. I think we can get, I can get more into that a little later. We can continue. Yeah, let's on. try. Let's try going through the arc sequentially. Um, I think, um, Nikhil, you mentioned that there's going to be a total of 20-something episodes, right? I'm, I'm checking 24 out the, episodes. 24 yeah, episodes. I'm checking out the Wikipedia page right now. And the next arc is going to air on September 21st over at Netflix Japan. So it's going to be like a while until America gets like It's usually, on average, like six months or so until America gets the, you know, from Netflix to, to America Netflix. I mean, you, if you have a VPN, you can like watch it in. Yeah. You know, any any place. It's um here I'm reading it's the Wizard of the Far East. That's gonna that's gonna be um the name of the arc. The first the first arc's name was Los Angeles Connection, which is about the new guy that got introduced into this um con artist group. Next one was Singapore Sky, which was about the um the one of the female leads of the crew. And Singapore Sky is another one another one of the female leads because effectively there's like four main cast members. The French guy, which is like the ringleader, the new guy, which was the first arc, the uh, Japanese Edamame fella, and I think let me let me let me see if I can remember her name because uh, it's a Edamame and Abby, and then um, there's one more. 
yeah, Abby was the one who dealt with the uh, Middle Eastern and the Singapore Sky one. And I think on Snow of London, we had Cynthia. She was the one like trying to like find closure for for her love interest or the guy she was effectively going to marry, but it just didn't work out because of money problems. But we'll get more into those later. The last arc, which is looks like it's going to be the longest because it's like from episode 15 to what, 24 or 23? So one, two, three, four. It's about uh, what basically the main character um, or the character that we don't know much about, the Great Pretender. Um, yeah. Like so. the, the one for the epithets that fits. Um, and it's, it's Wizard of the Far East, which is interesting because that reminds me of Wizard of um, the Wizard of Oz. This uh, it's just like you know, a lot of people know Wizard of Oz, right? It's the, this guy who we within the in universe, it's this guy who like tries to do effectively. The Wizard of Oz is also a con artist, so it's really cool that the um, title for the next next art is reminiscent of that. Actually, now that I think about it, Wizard of the Far East, might also relate to the. Um, that might be one of the 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 main guy because the far east or the east is Japan, right? Um. Yeah, I was thinking it's going to be Japan. Something related to Japan is very likely. I think right. it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do, though. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm 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 excited for Wit Studio. I guess we can talk about a bit about Wit Studio before we move on to um, oh yeah the art. Yeah, Wit Studio has some insane anime. We were actually just looking into this this morning, but um, one anime that I think. Pretty much everyone knows by now is Vinland Saga, and that has been that was that was probably the anime of the year in 2019. You um, liked it that much? Surprising. I think well, I think B Stars was for me the best one of 2019, but um, I think Vinland Saga was definitely up there. I think Vinland, Vinland Saga was insane. Um, so it's obviously known for that and Attack on Titan, which I feel like everyone knows at this point. If you know anime, you know Attack on Titan and Wit really came with their fist swinging when they came out with AOT. So they have some pretty high-profile anime under their belts. Yeah, they also have um, Kabaneri, which is a, kind of a, an Attack on Titan one, which but just about zombies, and it's a train. It's really pretty. That one's really pretty. It's a wrap of the end. I remember that one I thought might be high because it's another Attack on Titan-ish clone. Like, you know, humanity is pushed to the brink by vampires this time instead of Titans. So it's interesting how they, like, Picked up some IPs that were super similar to Attack on Titan. I mean, now now they're like, you know, they don't only have Attack on Titan, right? They have like a few others. Like you mentioned, they had um, Vinland Saga, which I, something unique about Vinland Saga and something unique about that I feel about Great Pretender is that I feel like they're timeless stories for what they are. Like Vinland Saga is a story about like, let me think, uh, you know, it's, it's a war. It's about, um, it's about revenge. You have war, you know, what it means to be free. Overall, I think it was a really good watch. It was a 24 episodes. My dad, my old man watched it too. And every every time I think about Vinland Saga, I kind of want to rewatch it. But I do, I love the messages behind Vinland Saga. The mangaka also wrote Planet before Vinland Saga. And a lot of the um the themes are shared amongst those two, which is very common when it comes to mangakas. It's, I mean, one of the most common ones is Togashi, who wrote um, Yu Yu Hakusho and then went up to write... um. Is Magnum Opus, which is Hunter x Hunter. They share a lot of themes in common from Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter x Hunter. It's just like Hunter x Hunter is the more refined version of what he wanted, what Togashi wanted to do with Yu Yu Hakusho. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I mean, which is, I mean, when, when it comes to people, like they, they have like certain, certain messages they want to get through to, um, to their audience. They always resonate in their stories that they're trying to tell. 
Yeah, I think Wit Studio is really good at making characters emotional. I like relatable and a very human yeah. aspect. I think that's like unlike a lot of um a lot of anime and manga, like they really do tackle like emotion like human emotion and they make it so relatable to the point where like you can really see yourself in that character. And I think they did that so so well in The Great Pretender. With each character and each arc you really felt that. Um it's the people and, behind with studio really know what they're you know what kind of ips they want to pick on and the directors they want to get involved in yeah for sure they want involved in the project 100 percent. i think um personally with studio is not my top three studios but i think with studios has produced some incredible anime um overall and as a studio they're so solid they have great ips under their belt they i mean a lot of people were doubting the great pretender actually because this was i believe their first original um, correct me if I'm wrong. Pretty sure it was. Yeah, it looked like it was in the, Um, and so a lot of people I know were doubting with Studio and criticizing them heavily because they pulled out of AOT the last season because they were like, we can't do it, and they decided to do The Great Pretender instead. I personally think they made the correct decision. I think The Great Pretender is fantastic, and they really knocked it out of the park with this uh, original, which was crazy. So I'm really happy with it. I love the Great Pretenders aesthetics, dude. I just, it feels so modern and like... The animation is so crisp, so clean, so beautiful, so colorful. The animation is beyond gorgeous. I was talking to someone last week and she was telling me like, I don't, I can't really vibe with the story, which not everyone can. But she was like, yeah, the animation is really what drew me in. And I think the animation is just gorgeous. It's something, it's, it, it, it definitely feels like something almost out of a comic book like on a screen if that makes sense which is kind of crazy it's it's very it's very pleasing yeah. to watch yeah it, it visually it's great and i all the characters are young right and they're the this goes with the aesthetic thing that i was talking about they're young but they and they feel like they're going somewhere with their lives and everything's super exciting all the time and the fact that they're able to travel one of the one of the craziest thing about great pretender is that it's one of those stories that made me want to learn a different language because I want to travel and meet people the way everyone in here is doing it. It's insane because like the Great Pretender from the first arc to arc number three, it spans approximately, we know, because it's not like everything happens all at once, right? Which is something I really appreciate because it feels like you see so many stories, they happen, like a lot of, a lot of things happen. One of the big, biggest examples, like Hunter x Hunter, for example, the, um, their, one of their main arcs has a, is an invasion arc into a palace. Which like a lot of content happens during during that section, but effectively only it only lasted like twenty minutes in real time, which is crazy. But something that I enjoy about the Great Pretender is that it spans from one like from I think five year range or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. I know for mm-hmm. sure two year range because something happens that leads um these characters to not be able to meet up again for two years minimum. I think I think they make it so like each arc feels like a movie. Um, so you're yeah. kind of like sitting down and watching a movie all at once. And, like, you can take a break between each arc and be like, wow, I just watched this in this continuity. And then, like, there's definitely, like, a time gap between those. So, like, it really feels very condensed, very precise, very, like, put together, I think, in those, like, four to five episodes I like. And I want to really, like, emphasize that these characters, for the fact that they don't spend every single day together, but, like, they do are friends with one another, kind of. They're, like... 
I know there, you know, the first arc. One of the biggest things is that it's a new guy. Abby, for example, didn't accept a new guy up until the end of arc two, right? So they're not technically friends, but they're definitely people who can banter with one another. And by arc three, they're I, I would I would I wouldn't be surprised if every single one considers themselves each other's friends. Even no matter what they say about like if things go south, you just bail on each other, right? So it's crazy that like these people can just get back together years later, and even though like they might have changed, they still have some kind of chemistry because everyone worries about like am i ever gonna see like this friend of mine are we gonna be able to hang out like this years in the, into the future and i love that great pretender just takes that and just doesn't even it, I, I wouldn't say acknowledges it but rather says it's like something that we shouldn't really think about because if like if you're meant to hang out with a friend of yours it's just it's gonna happen no matter what what great pretender really feels like to me is that if there's a lot of freedom involved with their actions like they they're not told what to do by anything above them, right? It, and one, it's crazy because these the guys in the con in this con group, what they're going up against are people who are above the law, right? And the law is considered like the highest level of um of authority, and they're above the law because of how much money they have. And whenever they go up against these people, they bring them down through these through these like elaborate strategies or whatever, and you just see it play, played out throughout the throughout the arc. And um, which just adds emphasis to the fact that, like I was talking about, like how they feel like they're, they're, they have so much freedom going to them because not only does it feel that because they're going up against people who are above the law, which is the highest form of authority. But once they like outdo, outdo these people, like what, what can touch these guys? Like they can do whatever they want. They go whatever they want. They meet whoever they want. They talk any language. Like borders are not a thing to them. They just, they're just good people who just want to have fun. Yeah, I kind of I think it kind of explores that concept of freedom a lot more, especially in I think making it around younger characters for that reason is very smart and a very good idea. Um, I think we can start going into the arcs individually um, to kind of emphasize that. Um, and the first thing I wanted to talk about was the first arc and in relation to what you just said, Francisco, where we kind of see. Um, Edamame like leave Japan and then he's like yo I just have to go to America now I guess I'm going to America and it's just like you know like that kind of like freedom of like if it's meant to be it's meant to be um, that kind of vibe I think that's kind of kind of cool I think it's very unique yeah. and it, it, more than unique I think it's very fun and they kind of like right out the bat in the first episode you kind of feel that like although it does get really serious it also does get like you can tell right at the gate in the first episode, it's going to be a fun anime. It's going to be a ride. Um, and I think they do a really good job of that by emphasizing this level of freedom that these characters have. And the fact that like everything happens for a reason and everything will happen for a reason. Um, it's almost like they believe in destiny, which is kind of cool. So Yeah, I did get that I, kind of vibe. And I... Yeah, I enjoy that quite a bit. I think it's, uh, it's nice. But... Uh, I think we can start talking about the arcs and I really want to start talking about the first arc specifically, especially to our audience in America. I think you, I think for me personally, the first arc was my favorite because I'm from America. I'm, I'm personally specifically I'm from California and it was set in California. And that was just insane to me. They even had the in and out burger sign when the plane was flying into California and I just freaked out. Again, I have never seen an anime that has had that much accuracy before. In fact, they got LA almost perfectly. Like, that is, like, very 
LA. Like they 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 got that down to a T. And I was I was just amazed. I was like, damn, like they like I again, I have not seen an anime that has done something like the Great Pretender has in the first arc. Um, I think I can I I understand the kind of like attention to detail. I've um what's it called? Your name, for example, one of the most of their set pieces are just taken exact by by locations in Japan. I think you've seen a couple of the, of the pictures, right? They're like famous location for your name right right at the end when they're going up the stairs. Yeah. And then it's like that. Um, you you've probably seen the comparison of like how it was how it was animated, like the drawing or whatever the um the scene, and then a picture of it how it looks in real life. Um, mm-hmm. your name does a really good job at at getting those details of the of, of those locations of those specific um locations of the movie in real life and just making bringing it to life. Um, just like the Great Pretender, the Great Pretender. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too sure if it like takes if it takes these locations exact right like uh, it does for your name but i think you you were onto something in that they get the vibe of, of la correctly like they, i mean they, I, it feels I, like i just think like for some place that's not japan because i feel like a lot of places like they get japan down pretty well but for like an anime so a cartoon that's produced in japan to get something so accurate in the place like la like i personally have not seen that or heard that in any anime I think, yeah, in that case, yeah, I agree. I think it's just very unique in that regard. And, like, right off the bat, that's kind of what drew me in. The fact that they were able to really get, like, get it super, super accurate in that regard. And you really felt like, wow, this is L.A. And, like, honestly, like, as someone who's been to L.A. quite a few times, um, yeah, pretty much, they they got that vibe almost perfectly. Like, you really felt like you were in L.A. Like, you were in L.A. with a character, which was really cool. So I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, And I think having the emotional rapport, like, you in the first episode, we see um, Edamame and the Great Pretender, the Great Pretender, I forgot his his name, there's a boy's name. Um, You see the rapport, and then you see, like, you see uh, Lucy, I think, what was it? Lucy? Abby, you see Abby, and then you see the the great stallion, the famous movie director. Um, I think it's really interesting to see like that first episode being like super like, like what like what is going on, and then like you see that parallel of like the people's lives. Uh, for example, the bodyguard and his kid and his wife who died, and like him kind of like almost living paycheck to paycheck. And he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to support my kid right now so I can like get him back to me. Like, I feel like it really is really like you like being able to see that. I think in a span of four to five episodes is so good, and that's and kind of what drew me into the show. Like, you really their character was oddly flushed out for only being four episodes. See, like the bodyguard was only relevant for four episodes, but in those four episodes, they made me feel for him like no other character. I was like, damn, I am rooting for this guy. I want him to get his kid back. Like, I was, like, feeling for him. And they did that so well. I feel like progressively, it didn't get as good. I feel like in the third arc, they didn't do that as well. But I think in the first and the second arc, they did that so good. Because they really, like, flushed out these characters and really made them, like, personable and emotional. Um, And that's, I think, something very unique. Again, going back to our conversation about how, like, Wit Wit Studio does things and makes 
a lot of their anime really personable and emotional. I think they were able to do that so well in a span of like four episodes per arc. And that's that was uh, that was one of the highlights for me in, in arc one. Um, and that's not even speaking to the music. Um, first of all, they had hip hop as a soundtrack um, or as a background background noise. And again, that's dope. And not only was it hip hop, it was American hip hop. So it wasn't like Japanese or Korean hip hop, which I think is more common in anime. But it was like rap, rap. Um, I don't remember the rappers, unfortunately, but it was, it was something from like the '90s or early 2000s, which is crazy. Again, they're using American rappers to do like a soundtrack in an anime. Like that just blew my mind. And then, obviously, like we cannot forget. Um, I mean, we, yeah, we can't forget the incredible opening and ending of the show. Um, I mean, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, it's Freddie Mercury, and Freddie Mercury's a legend. So, like, the Great Pretender is an actual song, and they use that song in the show, which I thought was next level. But again, Freddie Mercury is a Freddie Mercury song. I don't know. That just blew my mind, and I was like, "Wow, throwback!" So, I yeah, like, what real throwback? They would do or deep end around. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Throwback. I mean, I I've listened to like hit some of his music um, way back when, but. I I think I don't know I think it's just cool I think it's really cool that they incorporate like all these elements to really tell a story, but they tell it so effectively to the point where you feel like wow this is really like LA and for like again for my for our American viewers and specifically our California viewers I really do encourage you guys to give it a try. I think you'll see a lot of like LA in the show and you'll really feel the vibes in it. And I think that that's what sets the Great Pretender I feel like apart from a lot of other anime, especially this year. Um, because it really not only draws you in, flushes out each character within the span of four episodes, it doesn't dilly-dally, and then the attention to detail is just so good. So, I mean, the first arc was just fantastic. Soundtrack was awesome, too, so, like, can't complain. Yeah. I wanted to, when you were talking about the, uh, I was wondering, like, what kind of director they had behind the Great Pretender, so I looked it up, right? And it's Hiro Kaburagi, and it looks like here from the anime staff decisions, the guy was involved in 91 Days, which is this, like, this bootlegging prohibition-era revenge revenge anime with 12 episodes. It's an original, if I remember correctly. I don't, I'm pretty, I'm, like, 90% sure it wasn't original. I've watched it. It gave, it's like, once again, it's another one set in America, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm like, there's something behind this director, and he's just, he loves this old school vibe of America and like this this kind of image. And I feel it in Great Percent definitely shows like what's crazy and what's interesting about America from the perspective of an of, of an outlooker, right? In addition to like, you know, they get the you, they get the details right. They got they got LA right and they got like what makes it so interesting. But ninety one days similarly shows you what it what the aesthetic for how the prohibition era was for gangsters during the time. And mm. Which is which, like, had me thinking: What other animes that were out there that also take place in America, right? I mean, you the one of the most recent one is the um, uh, Rampa uh, Apare. This is an anime currently that's airing Apare Rame or something like that, which is um Ranman. There we go. Yeah, Apara Apare Ranman, which is also another original. It's about this like cross continental race throughout America, like during the um 
during the 19th century or the 20th century, um, which is one of the other ones set in America. But I, it, I mean, I was watching it and I was like, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. I'll, I'll finish it eventually. But the one, another one that I really wanted to mention, similar vibes to this one, what's that, Bacano? And I know you weren't a big fan of Bacano because of... Um, uh, Bacano? Oh, there was there was Bacano and there was Lupin the Third. Yeah, Lupin the Third. I I I was gonna mention Lupin the Third because similar to Lupin the Third, something that I wanted to cat like speak about Great Pretender is that I and I mentioned this right. I feel like Great Pretender is timeless because you get a group of characters and all they do is that's they con people. The technology they don't they they never tell us like what like what year it is right. They just tell us it's the modern modern time, which is. Which could like range from the like twentieth century to twenty first century, and they can just mix up the technology. So similar to Lupin, who like continued to reinvent itself throughout the years with different directors, I feel that I feel like Representer is timeless because it just offers you a group of characters, their synergies, they have specific character traits, and then they the the premise is that they take money away from the corrupt. So I, I thought it was great, and Bakano Bakano. Similar to what you were talking about, like how the the English dub for Bakuno is insane because they have the accents perfectly down, and it also takes it takes place during like three different times, right? There's three different stories that are happening in Bakuno. Um, one one ha- one ha- when it's occurring during a train train travel, the other one is occurring like during the 19th century, and one of them more in like two months after the train track or something like that, or a, a year afterwards. It's a great story. Um, Nikhil wasn't a big fan of it, but like I. Lots of people love Bakano. It's one. It's what it was from two thousand and seven. Uh, but I cut you off. You wanted to talk about Lupin, or you want to? No, no, no. You can talk about Lupin. Yeah, uh, I'll talk about it later. I think one of the things that we did miss off. Like you mentioned that your favorite was the first arc, right? Now that I got time to settle down and like reconsider which one I thought was my favorite, I would put arc one and two to be similar in like entertainment for me. Mm-hmm. And. You know they have like different appeals, like like you mentioned. R two deals with like with that with some um some events that happen yeah, for R2 Abigail. R two straight up deals with trauma and depression. Like it's significantly darker. Like yeah. even though it's a light hearted show, quote unquote, um, it's still like arc two was serious, and that's the reason I put arc one above it is because I had a lot more fun watching arc one um arc two like i was like whoa they really pulled me in i was like damn like that was that's crazy and some of the stuff they talk about we'll go into a little later after you want to finish but uh i just think it was a lot more serious which is the only reason like i personally think arc i i I can agree with that i think arc one and two are very similar and i think they're equally as enjoyable i just edge arc one a little more because i had more fun with yeah same dude i don't i honestly I I think all three arcs are really good. I had a huge difficult time with arc three though because it's it deals with closure and what it means to say goodbye to someone that had such a heavy influence in your life and just accept that you're not gonna cross paths, which is similar to what you were talking about, right? This whole notion of destiny. Arc three effectively says even if you were like maybe destined because you know the I think Cynthia, right? Her baggage and something that the great pretender with the French, the French guy, right? The, the ringleader of the entire crew yeah. um, ends up doing, which is either by coincidence or like intentionally does, right? He makes sure that his team is emotionally and psychologically there, right? And even if them sometimes these, I mean, for the first one, right? Edamame, 
he 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 recruited him and the first one dealt with his trauma the second one dealt a bit no more with abigail's trauma and like how she's going to you know find closure in that and be able to move on and become better as a person and her in her growth and stabilize both mentally psychologically and like physically right because like it was taking a physical toll on her during that arc because of all the memories that were happening because you know she she lost her parents during um during a bombing uh from you know america bombing the middle east yeah. all the time it's just yeah. awful and it's a lot of political involved with it which is something abigail has dealt with throughout the years so the great pretender gets all these all these it's it's crazy because he i mean obviously maybe he's doing it intentionally right to make, make sure he gets the best team he can ever possibly get and then the third one deals with cynthia and the fact that she fell in love with this great artist right but the only talent that he had was in forgery and she couldn't live with the fact that he was doing this even though it was breaking him because he wanted to you know get a recognition to be an artist himself yeah. So in that arc, like in a, in a in a different path, in a in the past, in a different life, right? They were gonna get married, but now in the present, in the conclusion of the arc, they meet up in the in the same in the same coffee shop that they met, and they have a final goodbye. And it just it was really difficult for me to watch because it's just it, it, There's a lot of things in this life, and you never get the closure that they got then and there to properly say goodbye to each other with no hard feelings. Yeah, I think uh, if you taught me anything, it's to live life with no regrets. Um, that arc was, that arc was, that arc was really interesting to me because it was relatable in a lot of ways, but at the same time, like, it was hard because I think it was relatable. At least for me personally, I thought it was like, wow, like, wow. <laughs> I think the hardest part was like accepting that you're not going to be able, like, I, I. I think it's it's just hard to accept that fact that like there are times where you're not gonna be able to do this, um, but there are times where you are, and getting that closure is so important for this reason, um, because you never know what could happen, and I think um, if anything, like arc three was arguably one of the most relatable because I think every person in this world has a regret of some sort or something that they wish they could have done better, and um. Like getting that closure for that is just so important. And I think in R in R three they kind of like hit that over the head. I, obviously, like I don't think R three is the best because I didn't have the most fun watching it. But I think R three was the most relatable, um, to everyone, not just me. And for that reason, like I I I definitely think it was it was still very touching. Um, especially like that. I I remember watching that scene when they were both at the coffee shop. I really wanted him to confess again, but then I kind of realized like, yo, like it, it shouldn't happen. I feel like at this point they both moved on and they realized like there are diff different points in their lives and it's just not going to happen even if they wanted to. Um, and I think Cynthia talks about it as well, like right before she enters the coffee shop. She's like, yeah, even if I have feelings for him, it doesn't matter because we just can never get together. So. It's not like they hate each other, like not at all. They're they don't. They, yeah, yeah. They, don't. they still love each other, but not. It's just never gonna happen. It's like, yeah, it's a different kind of love too. At that point, though, it's like one of respect, if anything. Yeah, and I think uh, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. I want to talk about R two briefly. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, just I do want to mention like one thing though, I, because something that's really important about whenever I think of closure, like in in real life, I feel like closure is a privilege that you mostly never 
get the opportunity to have it. Yeah, yeah, you, it's very it's very hard to get. Um, yeah. I feel like which is really funny because the whole point of closure, I think, is like it's almost like fate, right? It's in in a lot of ways, in some senses, you need fate to get that closure. Um, like things need to happen the right way for you to get it. Like if you want to ask someone about something or like talk to someone you haven't seen in like years, um, you're not like a lot of the times you're not going to reach out and text them like, Hey, you want to meet up? But like, what if you like randomly run into them and then you, the opportunities presented it to yourself? Like, I don't know. I think it, it, it goes back to the, uh, the topic of like fate and destiny we're talking about. Um, but I think it's funny because a lot of the times it doesn't usually happen. So I definitely think Arc 3 was romanticized a lot. Um, it, yeah, it was. It was. But I, I appreciate that, actually. Yeah. I, I do. Because you, you don't get that often in real life, but at least you can see it. No, exactly. When it happens, I feel like it, it, a lot of the times it does happen like that. Like, I mean, obviously, like, it depends on the situation. It depends on, like, the person. But I feel like it was a really good way of putting it. Um. It was definitely romanticized, and I agree with that, but I also love the direction that the director took, or everyone involved right in the team, to make it so that they say goodbye. Because even if it was romanticized, it's very... It's healthier for them to say goodbye than it would be to them to try and start something up again, even though they know it's not going to work out, which takes a lot of courage. What I find the most interesting now is, after R3, everyone, everyone in the main cast, right, they accept the great pretender um they all kind of like like have resolved their stories to some extent um so they've all found that closure but the only person who hasn't is the great pretender and like the nine episodes we're going to see that i feel like it was all building up to that so i feel like these next nine episodes are going to be like they're going to be explosive because we're going to see a lot of like why like I think it'll 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 bring everything full circle. That's what I'm trying to get at, and I'm very yeah. excited personally. I mean, they're definitely not done growing as characters because that you know that never happens. Like, yeah, a person never stops growing. The moment they they think they they stop growing is the moment they just regress. If anything else, um, but they're getting closer to being someone that they can accept as themselves and to find the principles that they you know would die on. Like I. They choose to die on this certain mountain or whatever. And without having any regrets, of course. And, you know, it's dangerous because whenever, whenever a writer begins to do this with their characters, effectively what they're doing is that they're making it so that they are not immune to the effects of, of their universe that they write. Because at that point, because comp- usually when it comes to writing characters or stories or whatever, the, the moment that a character finishes their arc, they're not immune to anything that can happen. At that point, they're, they're, they can be used as a drive for someone else's growth, which is dangerous. And it's, it's often done with specifically mentor figures who have had their stories already completed, which you see it often. Which, and I love the fact that Great Pretender, you're, you're going to see, you're, throughout these arcs, you see the characters resolve their inner struggles as best as they can even though they of course they still have some baggage going on but they're gonna get they're gonna get through it so this last arc i'm very looking forward to it because it's you know it's the great pretenders arc and we're gonna see what makes him tick yeah that's gonna be the most entertaining 
Um, Hoping. And then I did want to talk about Arc 2 briefly before we wrap everything up. Um, Arc 2, I think, was the most powerful. I think Arc 1 was the most fun. Arc 3 was the most emotional. I think Arc 2 was the most powerful. I say this because Arc 2 dealt with depression, trauma, and anxiety. Those are three really, really, really heavy topics that a lot of people don't usually like to talk about. And they tackled it in a way that felt very unique. Um, and I, I know I'm using the word unique a lot here, but really, Arc 2 was just different. Like, first of all, the fact that they showed, like, they talked about, like, the war between Iraq and America and, like, the repercussions of the constant bombings that happened because of America. I have yet to see, and not only in an anime, but a cartoon or medium in both America or otherwise in Japan that has tackled something of this caliber and more specifically from the from the issue of the bystanders who were involved whose families got torn apart because of these bombings i think that's powerful and i think that's unique and like the trauma that's inflicted from that obviously is just tremendous and like what they've had to go through is just insane and being able to show that in an anime adaptation I feel like it's really, really, really special. And then not only that, but we see Abby confronting an ex-US military war vet. And we see their we see their interaction. I think one of the most powerful episodes in the entire show was when um he was they Abby took him out to like it was a view of Singapore. And um he pulls out a knife and then Abby was like Abby was like, I'm going to kill you. And then he was like, do it. Um, and I think just that interaction right there was powerful. There's no other, there's no, really no other way to describe it because at that moment, Abby really saw, like, obviously, like, he probably wasn't the one who killed her family, but he was, a, he was part of why, like, he was part of that responsibility. He was part of that trauma that was inflicted on her. And, she saw an outlet to all the shit she, that she's gone through, part of my language. And I think it was that, that just that interaction was so beautiful. I was, I was honestly shocked. Like, I, I can't begin to describe how, like, how amazing I think that arc was. Even though I say the first arc is my favorite because I had the most fun with it, I think arc two was objectively probably the best. Because... Just that interaction alone makes it better than the other two. And then on top of that, you have the flushing out of Abby. You see her insecurities. You see like the type of person she is. And they're all so real. They're all so human. It's crazy. You see her like actively fighting depression and anxiety. And same with and same with the US war vet. You see him actively fighting this trauma and depression that he's gone through as well. You see both sides of the same coin, which I think, and, and they're both war vets, right? They were both trained in different ways, and obviously they were both made to do different things, but I think it's really interesting to see both sides of the same coin kind of go through very similar things. And I think they realized that towards the end of the arc, and after like um, the wheelchair dude asked Abby, like, just kill me, I don't have a purpose to live. Um, I think that was powerful. Um, so I cannot, I, I literally cannot praise this arc high enough. I think, and this arc is the reason I say that this is the anime of 2019, or 2020, I'm sorry. 
I don't think there's an original that has been better than The Great Pretender solely because of this art. And I'm like willing to like stand my ground on this because I just, I was blown away by that interaction. And more so, I was blown away by the fact that they chose to address such a controversial yet very, very, very important topic that I don't think a lot of people know about. So that's just like my two cents. And I wanted like a huge rant about that. But... I think you got most of it. Yeah, that, that's definitely, I agree with you. That's the strongest scene in the entire um, three arcs that we saw. Uh, I also think that that scene deserves its own discussion. And it, it, merits, the, it merits the entire quality of that arc itself. Because it's, in the end of the day, it's, a, it's an arc structured around it. Abby, right? Yeah. And it's 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 an, like you know this this similar to um similar to Vin and Saga, it deals with the cycle of hatred and revenge, and that it only breeds more hatred. And being able to just let go of that and let go of the hate that you have within your heart allows you to progress not only as yourself, but to help other people around you. And to assure that they don't feel the similar similar pain, which sucks because, like you mentioned, it was the it was the most powerful one. It was it's also probably the one that's the least relatable, but the most archetypical, because it's one hundred percent Abby's story. Like we can't, it's difficult for us to relate to what Abby and what this war veteran went through, because it's it's a it's a life that, while many people do experience, a good amount of us will not experience the kind of trauma that both of them went through right individually yeah. and together because i do not think unfortunately i'm not in a situation like abby where she lost where she loses her loving parents and similarly i'm not in a situation like that we where i have to make a conscious effort to listen to my superiors and just effectively commit murder like sanction murder which takes a toll on you too in addition to also losing becoming because um the 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 guy the, the war veteran got into an accident which happens which fortunately even after even after his like time in in the military he still had an able body which is something a privilege that I know not a lot of war veterans have in addition to you know having there's there like you know PTSD and all of these different psychological problems uh, fortunately the war veteran was able to find a life after after military service which was in um and airplane what's the name of the sport that airplane that, race competition basically yeah something i mean yeah it was like they get on airplanes and then they race right which yeah. what's that happen and, and he, you know he ended up having he ended up becoming wheelchair bound due to an accident right from from the events coordinator which this arc deals with swindling the coordinator's money because of all of the um because effectively the guys the guy the guy behind the the event staging every single every single one of the races there they're all they're all phony there's and there's no real tension if you because everything's already mapped out the only time that it wasn't mapped out was when this war veteran actively decided to um you know make an actual race with 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 his friend right that's what we learned and you know the organizer learned about this and just couldn't let that go it sabotaged the plane leading to leading to you know his situation his current status and of being unable to walk appropriately. Yeah. Which oh, one of the I mean that scene that you mentioned, the fact that he was still able to stand from his wheelchair because he was taking um taking physical therapy 
also shows a lot because we also didn't mention this, but one of one of the characters that is involved with the war veteran is his wife. And you know, after the accident, he just wasn't the same. He was just filled with a lot of rage. And even though it's like the show of the man that she loved, and she's hoping that 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 man returns back, because we do learn that the war veteran, whenever he was in part of these races, he was sending money to charities. He was, yeah. He was actively working with like all these different funds and making sure. And something I really want to highlight too, um, that going off of what you said, Francisco, I think um, he was also disabled and like he was a disabled war veteran. Like, I don't know how to emphasize how like incredible I think that is and like how powerful they made his character. But like, like, and they, they showed him to be like, not be helpless. Um, like he was someone that was still like struggling to find his inner self, um, even though he had a disability. And I want to highlight that. I don't, again, I, off the top of my head, I cannot think of any shows that have done that very effectively. Um, obviously you have shows like Daredevil and stuff, but like, Duh. this just takes it to another level. Like, because he has so much behind that. There was a lot of meaning behind it. I don't know. I just think it's something that's... I agree, man. I agree. There's a good amount of that. And then some of them, I have a friend who also, her, her old man, is also a war veteran. And similar, he dude's also wheelchair-bound. So when I was seeing that, I was like, it's difficult to not think about the situation. And just, just knowing the kind of people that are around them who still love them. Even for their situation, even though they might be struggling with like their inner demons, telling them that they're worthless or whatever, which happened to the war veteran, right? When Abigail confronted him, he was like, "Yeah, sure, kill me. I have nothing. I have nothing to live for." And I, I wanted to emphasize that you you mentioned like not a lot of not a lot of shows talk about the situation with Iraq and like America bombing, right? And I think it's because it's so recent, man. It's difficult to approach it. Because I don't think even, it's just that it's recent. It happened under the Obama presidency. And yeah, that guy, yeah. Uh. We shouldn't, I don't want to get too much into politics, but no president has been very good. And that is, that is the best way to put that. And I, in order to not get too much into politics, I don't want to get into it. But because I think it was under the Obama presidency, um, it was kind of overshadowed. Because it was also happening around the time like they were capturing Bin Laden and stuff. Um, so again, the fact that they highlighted this and they made it a prominent theme in a show that was like mass distributed not only to North America but in Japan. I'm like, this is now like worldwide recognition. I'm really hoping people see that and be like, wow, that's crazy. And like kind of understand the inhumane acts that America has done. Because this was not right in any way. Like, what we should not have gone to war in a lot of the things we've done. And the bombings were not justified at all. Um, so, again, the fact that the Great Pretender kind of highlights this is just, it, yeah, I don't know. I think it just makes it's, it. It's, yeah, every single one of these arcs are really powerful in their own right. There's different, there's different themes involved with all of them. But I, I think now that we spoke about these three arcs, I think we can, I know we, I spoke about Lupin, right? I wanted to focus on what makes an original and what makes, what, what, what does it mean to have an IP under your belt? Mm-hmm. Because one thing we know for sure, even though we know that this situation with, um, you know, with the bombing, like we, it happened during 
the, the year 2000. It can still happen. It's not like it's just going to stop from then on, right? It's probably still happening right now. Yeah. Just different situation, different players, whatever. And there's, there's certain traits about intellectual property that you know makes them unique to what they are, right? For example, let's, let's do Doctor Who, right? Doctor Who has the TARDIS. Doctor Who also has, I guess, the Doctor, right? And he always, there's always a companion. You have like those three aspects that resonate with Doctor Who. And Doctor Who is also timeless, effectively, because any, any writer or anyone with a vision can come in, take a Doctor, and then because of the fact that it's a time travel series, put them anywhere they want and write a story with those characters involved. And I think Great Pretender is in a similar situation. Just like, Doc, just like Lupin, for example, right? Sherlock Holmes, similar situation. Not, not too similar, right? Lupin effectively is more free than Sherlock Holmes because it's also not restricted. Lupin, Lupin III is similar to Great Pretender's uh, Criminal Mastermind. And they get a crew of people and they just, they just do crime, right? They just, and it's, it's great because there's a different aspects of Lupin III. One of, the, one of the main things is like these set pieces that has Lupin navigating throughout these different kind of um, situations, very difficult situations and expressing like sleight of hand, adept, how adept is the, the gentleman is when it comes to something that should be surreal and like superhuman and yet always managing to accomplish the given task. And similar to these, these two IPs, I think Great Pretender also has some unique traits about them. For example, um, Aramame, one of the things, one of the things that was repeatedly brought up, and you're going to see it throughout all, the, all, the, all of these arcs, right, is that he has this affixiation for these specific figures, right? And, and they, of course, each one of them represents something. When he, one, of the, one of the prime ones that he ends up getting, right, the first, after the end of arc one, in the beginning of arc one, he opens a figure and he says, these are, these are a sign of good luck or a, a slight, a slight note no of fortune. He gets like a figure that represents this man who almost unified all of Japan, symbolizing that this that Aramame is going to rise to a position that's gonna let him effectively conquer something. I don't know, be it Japan or be it be some kind of um, goal that Aramame wants to. Like that's what the figure represents. But 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 at the end of the arc, right after everything's said and done, he goes at it again, and he gets a peasant. He gets no one. He gets. A figure that represents nothing. A figure that represents humble beginnings. And that's the end of arc 1. And arc 2, once again, you get another figure introduced in there. And arc 3, once again, gets another figure introduced in there. Arc 3, I believe, it had, um, had a king of France or Britain or something who had the shortest reign to their, to their, um, to their whatever, to their kingdom or their position known as king. And then they left that position to go chase after love, which is, you know, love has a lot to do with the with the themes involved in arc three. So each one of these figures are the, are chosen specifically from the people involved in these arcs. And that's one of the, that's one of the, the, the pinnacles of what they're trying to do with an IP. They're trying to get like, in each one of the, uh, these arcs, we're going to have Aremame pick out a figure. And it's going to give you a glimpse of what, of what the future of this arc is going to be about. And I love that they did that. I love, I mentioned the timeless arc and the fact that they're not restricting it to a, any specific any specific year, date, or nothing like that. It's just a group of people 
during the 21st century. And that's, that's what it is. And the other thing, of course, that I forgot to mention is that their, their freedom given through their adaptitude at knowing multiple languages and being fluent in them, like English, Japanese, French, I think those are the main three that I'm familiar with that, that were that was spoken in, in the three arcs given. But I, I I wouldn't be surprised if these people are like multilingual. Uh, that's my take for the, for the um for what makes the Great Pretender interesting, original, and one with high potential to be continued and expanded on. Yeah, I agree with that. But to be honest, though, I think after this 24 episodes, I think it should wrap up. Because I think once you've explored every character, it'll only get repetitive from here on out. I want it to be concise because I think it deserves that. I think it's one of those type of shows that can like end with 24 episodes and I'd be so happy because it ended on a high note. So. I mean, I agree with you, but like, just like you mentioned, the, the cool thing about them exploring every single character is, you know, that they can keep us structured. But I also admit that, like you mentioned, Every single arc feels like a movie. So you can finish arc one and be like, all right, I'm done. You can finish arc two and say, all right, I'm done. Or you yeah. can say, I'm done. I just feel that similar to Lupin's the Third, for example, you don't have to watch every iteration in the series, but they're all good. Like, there's not, there's not wrong with them. And you can always introduce new people, new characters, and you can always get people behind the production team who have a vision and they want to use these characters because, you know, they might have loved them growing up. For example, most of the people nowadays after the Doctor Who reboot, they came to the show because they love the show. They love Doctor Who growing up and they want to... It's, it's this thing about copyright and being able to somewhat be in the public domain and write their own stories, except being canon. And I love that aspect about these stories that are timeless. Because you can just get someone who likes the story who, or who likes the premise. They get them involved and they write a story with those characters. And I'm hoping that it's good, but I'm, I'm always willing to give these kind of people a creative chance. Because copyright makes it so most of the, most of, you know, Star Wars, for example, you're not going to be able to write a Star Wars and, you know, sell it and make money without Disney for at least 100 years from now. Hmm. And that's restricting. But at the same time, it, it's needed. I'm not saying it's, it's bad. It's just a thing. No, yeah, for sure. I find it with that. Hmm. I think it's just food for thought. It is, man. It is. It's just something that I saw and I thought I could write a crime series with these people and it would be fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I have the talent for it, but I was just... No, but I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Could be... Mm. No, man. I want to watch Vinland Saga now, but I gotta watch Jojo Part 5. I, I think that was everything I had to say about Great Pretender. I think overall, I really love how you know you pushed me to watch it. I had a good time with it. I'm glad. I I did I did exactly how you suggested. Like I I watch every arc sequentially. You know, if you want, take a break. I don't have to watch all three arcs at once. Consider it more of a movie experience. Put your phone away, sit down, enjoy it, and it was great. Not nothing to say. It's an original. There's a lot of passion behind it. Which studio? So far, they haven't done every, anything too bad. And, you know, they might not be in, uh, what's it called, in Attack on Titan, but the studio that they left Attack on Titan 2 isn't bad. Like, they're not a bad studio. Do you know what studio that, that's taking oh. care of Attack on Titan? 
I know it's a high profile studio, so I'm not worried. AMC. Yeah, it's definitely a high profile studio. They know what they're doing with their action pieces. So, heck, I might look it up right now. Uh, Mappa. Oh, it's Mappa. Oh, dude, Mappa. Didn't, I, I swear. Didn't Mappa do um, God of High School? Yeah, Mappa did God of High School. Mappa did God of High School, yeah. God of High School has phenomenal action pieces. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a bad... <laughs> like, plot-wise, it's not a great anime, but, like, action-wise and visually, very nice. So, I think, it, I think they are very good to be doing... Attack on Titan, to be honest. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, Attack on Titan's story's already been taken care of, right? They, they Pretty much, yeah. They don't really have... I mean, they already have basically the set pieces there with the end of the manga ending soon, so I I think they've got everything covered right now. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. It's going to be exciting to finally like, watch it, because I do consider Attack on Titan to be up there with something like Full Metal Alchemist if the story concludes... And I have full faith on it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the story concludes in a, in a good bow. Just everything's wrapped up. Yeah, I'm personally a reader, so I'll probably read the ending. Maybe I'll watch it if I, if I really want to. Um, I will watch it. The anime's always good, but I'll watch it. Okay. I think it's a classic at this point. I, would, I'm not, I don't feel too far off giving it that kind of credit. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it. Our we did anime. talk about it. I think it was our anime of the decade. Regardless, um, yeah, I agree. I think, I think the Great Pretender is the greatest, the best original anime to have come out in twenty twenty, um, by far. I there was a lot of anime in twenty twenty that came out that I loved, but I think the Great Pretender just did it for me. I think it was so good, and it was fun. Honestly, I might go as far as saying. It was in my top three original anime in the last since the beginning of 2019. So we've gotten some hell since Bunny Go Sunpai, so winter 2018. So we've gotten some really good anime since then. Um, so obviously a lot of stuff to compare it to. But um, in terms of best original stuff, I mean, I, I definitely think The Great Pretender is up there. And when it's all said and done, I genuinely believe that it will be my top 10. Because there's so much of the story that I love. And like you said, Francisco, I'm just going to add to your point. Um, I think that this is kind of timeless. Like, this kind of show is timeless. And I think The Great Pretender will be timeless because of that. I think it'll always be an anime that people will talk about. But it'll be under the radar. It may never really get, like, as popular as some, like, big IPOs and stuff. But I think it's that one anime that'll be like, wow, like, this is really good and so i encourage literally every single one of my viewers to watch this show uh our viewers to watch the show I, I i cannot i cannot praise it high enough i think wit really killed it as an original ipo i'm so excited for the next nine episodes in fact i didn't even know the next nine episodes were coming out on the 21st but i will be watching it as soon as it comes out um in fact i'll probably just like put it on like my tv and just like sit and like watch all of it um <laughs> With straight up binge, no distractions, just turn off my phone, turn on my laptop, and just watch. But um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. I think it's fantastic. I think you all should give it a shot. Um, if anything, if there's an arc you don't like, the coolest thing I think about The Great Pretender is each arc is very independent. 
So you don't, I would just say watch the first episode to know who the characters are. And then honestly, if you don't like the first arc, just go to the second arc. If you don't like the second arc, just go to the third arc. Each arc is very independent to each one. I personally think you should watch all three because I think they're all nuts and they're all really good. But each one is so independent where you can pick and choose which ones you like. And I think, again, it makes it very enjoyable. You can consume it at the pace you want to consume it. I think that's very good to have for any show. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a fantastic anime. I think it's the it's probably easily the best anime I've watched in 2020. Um, and I'm including... Uh, I'll just include originals for now. Um, in terms of sequins, sequels, I want to say it's actually better than most of the sequels I've watched. But I'm only really watching ReZero and a few other things. So, But yeah, Great Pretender is great. Um, can't recommend it enough. And uh, that's, that's really all I got to say about it. Yeah, man. I do want to mention, I did have some slight criticism. Sometimes I felt that things were too... Um, you know, great, this is like great pretender. Everything like ended up working out for the guy, right? I felt like mm-hmm. sometimes I was like, oh, I don't know about this, but overall, looking back at it, it I know it did like it was an issue for me closer to the end of arc one, for example, I think. If I remember correctly. Arc two, I was it wasn't that it wasn't arc two wasn't really focused on like getting you into the heist kind of vibe, right? It was it was if anything, arc two was its easier heist than arc one. Arc one was a very convoluted heist where you realize, wow, this is either either like faith happened here or guys planned out way too much and i'm surprised all the pieces ended up working now together and arc three arc three was laid back actually for when it when it comes to the scale of these arcs when it comes to the scale of the the um the con i thought after after arc one i thought everything was going to be as convoluted as that unfortunately it wasn't right it was just just this one was a unique case for arc one which i really appreciated the other thing I did want to mention is now that you mentioned originals, there is a few originals that I consider to be part of my top five. And I know we spoke about this, right? Because like sometimes people ask you like, oh, what's your favorite anime? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. So I made a I made an artificial list. And it's not it's not fake, but rather it's like something that I know at the top of my head that I can respond to this question. And I know you made something similar, right? Yeah. Yeah. So within my top five, I have um, two originals, which ones FLCO and Kyoso Giga. Wait, top five anime of all time? Of, of mine. Yeah, of my personal favorite. It's not of all oh, time. Oh, okay. There's okay. some that I just considered... There's some anime I, that I just... That I don't even put in my top five because I don't think it's worth to be up there because I just consider it a classic. I, like A classic might be the incorrect adjective, but I consider them... To be top nuts, for example, I, I'm not gonna put Hunter Hunter in my top five because I think it's great, right? It's a masterpiece. I, I don't put like One Piece or Hunter Hunter or anything in that. They're they're, they're in a separate thing of their own. I, I never counted. Okay, so you're similar to that, but like this is like you know one of my personal top fives that I think I really like, and it speaks to me at a at a personal level. So Kyoso Giga, FOC are up there, and they're they're anime originals. And if you ever have the opportunity, I would. You know, I would love to hear what you got to say about it, about them. FLCO and what's the other one? Kyoso Giga. Kyoso Giga I came out in 2000. Kyoso Giga, that sounds kind of interesting. Kyoso Giga, the director is huge and family. And I know she also directed um, Blood Blockade, 
Bloodford or something like that, which is which you know one of the season one which dealt a lot with family themes. And this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the of the podcast on how these um these writers and directors they always lean into some specific message they wanna they wanna share with the with their audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blood Blockade Battlefront. The um director of season one is the same person who directed Kyoto Giga. And then FOCO, the it's one that just resonates a lot with me because I just watched it at the appropriate time during my development. Mm-hmm. One about adolescence. There's a lot of um, there's a lot. I mean, if you're are you familiar with FOCO by any chance? Of course, yeah. <laughs> Fully Cool is like a classic. Everyone knows it. I, well, I feel like everyone knows it. Yeah. I used to... I, I don't remember if they showed it on... Because I remember watching it when I was younger. But I don't remember if they showed it on Toonami. Um, I might be did. tripping. Because I know I remember watching like One Piece, Dragon Ball, and... um I think Black Butler on Toonami. But I don't know if they ever showed Fully Cooly. I They might have, but... I don't know. I remember watching a few episodes, though. I don't think I've watched it in its entirety. I should at some point. It's for free. It's on, for free online on YouTube through Funimation's channel. Oh, yeah. Ryo Matsumoto is the person who um, directed uh, Kyosukiga in season one of Blood Blockade. I just read the plot. Very interesting. It seems very superhero-ish, which I, which I might take a look at. It has a lot of vibes with um, FLCL and Monogatari, which are also some, some of my favorites. Monogatari is in my top five. Like, it, it's interchangeable with FMA, but FMA is also like a classic, so. Like, uh But, yeah. Well, that's all I gotta say, man. If you, you can close it up. I have nothing Ooh, else to uh, I mean, I don't have much to talk about. I think I'll just briefly. We wanted to do an episode on this, but we weren't able to, I think. So, I think now that we can now, I'll just briefly go over what I watched over the summer because I'm not watching anything right now. I'm just reading. Um, and then maybe stuff I'm watching right now. So uh, I have pretty much cemented my top five list over the summer. Uh, I, my, I, I watched uh, some highlights were Chihaya Furu, which I loved. Um, Marsh comes in like a lion in my, in one of my top five. I love that show. Um, I watched I watched so many different shows. I think I watched Silver Spoon, fantastic. I watched um, I don't even know. I watched a lot of different. I watched a lot of shows. I watched a, a lot of. Um, I watched a lot of um, Kyoani shows. So I watched like Love Chunibyo, um, which was good. I watched. Um, <laughs> Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which I loved. I love that show so much. It's it's literally just fan service, but it's also really good. So I would recommend it. Um, with the caveat that you should probably be 15 years older to watch it because it's it gets really weird. But it's very you know what? Kobayashi is a lot weirder in the manga, and that just that just speaks volumes of how talented. Kyo Annie is to make something that isn't wholesome actually have a heart. Yeah, it's so cute. Oh my god, it's uh, that show is. I love that show so much. Like the manga, uh, from what I read, is not as good as the actual anime. Like, yeah, I've heard it's a lot more like it's 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 pretty much doujin, correct? 
yeah, you're not wrong for saying that, but and like, I'm I'm always amazed with the direction KyoAni decides to take with their production work. Yeah, they 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 always give it a hard. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, was that was that was that everything at the top of your head? Oh uh, yeah, and then right now I'm watching ReZero season two, God of High School, and I recently finished reading Soul Leveling or caught up. So um, apparently, rumor is Soul Leveling is going to become an anime, but uh, I'd recommend reading it. Honestly, it's pretty entertaining um it's it's pretty much a shonen if you want to like if you like god of high school or tower of god i think you'll like uh solo should be a time right, yeah now that you mentioned tower of god i did watch one thing during the summer infinity train and i'm hoping maybe one day you watch it which is just you know it's a regular cartoon it's on hbo max if you have access to that definitely watch it I do, there. I the do. Only, yeah the only way we're gonna get a season four of of Infinity Train is if you know enough people watch it on HBO Max that HBO decides to order for another season. I don't know. Maybe there's another season. As far as I'm I'm aware, is this the person who created regular show? Are you serious? Yeah, that person's involved. Yeah. No, this is the person who created regular show. Oh, like really? Like created it? Like JD Quinto was a director, Whoa. but this person like I think co-created it or something. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. I mean, regular show is like one of my favorite shows. I love regular shows. So I will definitely take a look. I just, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Infinity Train is. Later, but I will take a look. I'll watch it. Infinity, yeah, Infinity Train is very emotionally. Emotionally mature for what it is. It's, it's crazy. It's everything that I, I was hoping Tower of God would be. In, 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 in Infinity Train because they're very similar in premise. Mm-hmm. God, I'm, I'm very big fan of Infinity Train. I'm very happy for you know the people that can grow up with this show right now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, maybe we can make an episode about it one day. Maybe we can even talk about solo leveling one day. Once you know, once the anime comes closer, we can collect. Yeah, once thoughts. the anime comes out, there's definitely a lot I have to talk about it. Um... If an anime comes out, yeah, we we spoke a bit about it. We have like some different opinions, and I think I can definitely get my time to like write down what I think makes this show good. And whatnot. Yeah, I'll take a look. Um, I know you were. Yeah. No, yeah. What are you saying? You said you were also interested in looking into like some other reads, for example. Yeah, I'm trying to read a lot more manga because, like, I have a personal rule for all the viewers. Um, I do not read and I don't watch anime during school year, but I will read manga. (laughs) Um, so I finished solo leveling in about two days. I've been thinking about reading God of High School, but I'm not sure. Um, Francisco recommended Ragnarok. I might take a look at that. I read the premise and I read the first chapter actually. Um, so it looks interesting. Um, but I've been like looking at web different webtoons, seeing what I'm kind of interested in. Uh, I haven't, I've, I haven't like really extensively looked, but like this weekend, if I get some free time, I might kind of sit down and just like find a few that I'm really interested in, write them down, and maybe start reading because why not. I do have um if in the case of webtoons, there's like one that's really similar to ReZero, and there's a time loop one. I think maybe if you end up deciding to read, you know, this one that I'm gonna probably send you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it here. I want to keep it a secret. But uh, when we do our ReZero season two recap, I think it might we might consider talking about this webtoon okay. in in the following podcast and compare it to ReZero and like what what they do good as being time loop time loop stories because i do think they're similar and i think it's a quick read it's really interesting so okay i'll, I'll share i'll share with you yeah, something to look forward to. i'll read it if it's like 
if it's short too, like I'll definitely read it. I, I, reading is not is never a problem for me. So take a look. Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think that's it, man. We're just gonna cut it off. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, so thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Before we go, um, a few updates. So we're gonna be having um, uh, burn the witch out soon. I'm really sorry for the delays. We've been waiting for all of it to come out so we can just talk about it all at once instead of talking about it weekly like we promised in one of our One Piece episodes. Um, so we'll be definitely focusing on that. And we'll probably have a One Piece episode for you guys, I'm hoping, by either next Monday or relatively soon. we got to get back on that. We figured we'd wait uh, two weeks per episode so that way we have time to, like, get two chapters in and then we can discuss. We have a lot more to talk about. Um, and yeah. Um, so keep your eyes out for that. And in those episodes, we'll probably announce what our next month's episode will be. So definitely just keep your eyes out for that. Um, and yeah, that's really all I have to say. Um, we hope you guys are staying safe during these trying times. And uh, we hope that uh, you enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Take care guys, everyone.